Welcome to Grinding the Data. My name is Kevin Scott. I'm very excited to be here with you for another installment of the Expert Series. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming in Denny Carter, an analyst with NBC Sports Edge. I've enjoyed uh, reading Denny's stuff for years. He's a he's actually a very gifted writer. Uh, could be using his talents in a ton of areas, so it's cool he's using them to add his voice to the fantasy football world. Welcome, Denny. Oh, man, thanks, Kevin. That, that uh, it's, a, it's a great intro. It means a lot. I, I do enjoy writing. I come from a writing background, so uh, it, it it gets it gets kind of lost in my uh, everyday role. And I, I but uh, it's still it's still my bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. No, it really is a talent. So it's awesome that. Uh, and I was just we were just talking before we came on air about Denny's blurbs that crack me up sometimes. He, he writes for. <laughs> NBC, some some blurbs that are uh, genuinely hysterical, even though they're very short. Uh, okay. so, um, yeah, this is the first time I've been able to do a pod with you or even talk to you face to face. So very cool. It's it's actually ironic. I'm sure we've talked face to face before because we just discovered about a year ago that we went to the same high school at the same time. That's and right. Just didn't know it. Yeah. So that doesn't happen every day. But, what uh, uh, what year what year did you or you didn't did you graduate from Montreal? I didn't. I left before graduation, but I would have yeah. graduated in '99. So I think you were what, two thousand one or something. I was yeah, I was oh one. So okay, you you yeah. would have been. So you you left after what grade? After tenth grade. So yeah, okay. you were probably in eighth grade at that point, right? Right, right. So we yeah. didn't really have a chance to be in classes, but I was in class with your your wife's relatives. That's right. Uh, my brother knew you, so kind of kind of crazy connections there. Yeah, say, just, you know, how about Montrose Christian School, right? <laughs> I, I, have you seen where it used I, to be lately? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And did you see that it was in the news today? No, why? It was all over the news because of Katanji Brown. What's her name? Katanji Brown Jackson. Yeah, she was um, during her you know process for the Supreme Court. They, they brought up that she had been on the board for Montrose Christian School for a couple mm-hmm. of years, which okay. I did not know. <laughs> that, was, that was back in two thousand like eleven. And apparently there's a big to do because, you know, it's a very like back then it was at least it was a very like hardcore, you know, for a lot of people, right wing establishment. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, she's coming under fire for what they believed. So, Interesting. Oh, yeah. man, that, that is that is something. Yeah, uh, it's in the news, man. I you know, I'm mean, you know, into this. Yeah, Kevin Durant went there, so that's a little claim to fame. So yeah. Yeah, he was there for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> was he there when you were there or no? uh no no i'm way too old for that. yeah 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 uh no it, i know everyone oh you went to school with kevin durant. i'm like i'm like nine years older than kevin durant <laughs> no you can't be how old that guy's got to be like 32 by now doesn't he is he? Oh, i'm looking it up right now as we as we speak <laughs> uh but uh, yeah i mean i'm 38 so he is uh he's 33 Okay, yeah, so he wouldn't have overlapped, but it would have been cool if he did. You know, see it, would, it would have been. I was there when they started the basketball program. Yeah, like when it was when officially like recruiting and all that, right? Uh, Marvin Lewis was the big first big name uh, oh. guy, and he, um, and he went to Georgia Tech. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Well, yeah, you have to check out that story, and you know, for everyone who reads about Montrose Christian School after this podcast, know that Denny and I, you know, are oh, very un- unbigoted people, and you know, we we love everyone. So I have I, I I'll have takes on that for sure. <laughs> yes, you will. You will be able to write about it. Before we dive into some uh, some bigger quick picture questions, I've been asking uh, experts about you know their views on you know the twenty twenty one season and so forth. I just wanted to ask you real quickly if you have any thoughts on the latest free agency. Uh, or trade action, you know, the, the Russell Wilson mm-hmm. trade or any of these guys who have signed? 
any thoughts on that stuff? Oof. Well, yeah, we, uh, Pat Doherty and I talked about uh, free agent transactions on the latest A Good Football Show, which you can find on iTunes and anywhere you can find podcasts. Also on, on the Peacock app, by the way. There you uh, go. So uh, that, that you know, we, we kind of summarized what we thought about those, uh, the, the, the big moves, the fantasy relevant moves. Um, you know, talked about Christian Kirk and the possibility of him being underdrafted, being so, you know, it's being such a hated and despised and highly critic, uh, a highly criticized move that he mm-hmm. could actually become something of a value, um, just target volume wise at, at yeah. some point. I, I, part of me thinks that won't happen, but I, I would be, I would be open to, you know, to, to looking at Christian Kirk as a wide receiver three or four, mm-hmm. if, if if that were to happen, if he, people were to dismiss him as a, a bad signing, because, you know, right. the, the real football aspect sometimes does really color the way we look at it from a fantasy aspect. And Definitely. that's not always the, the best way to approach it, obviously. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I do dislike the signing a lot. I think it was a vast yeah. overpay. But yeah. yeah, I think who else are they going to throw to? I mean, Chark's gone. And what do you think about the Chark signing in, in Detroit? You think that's a positive or... I, you know, I, I, I no, I, I hate it. I hate it. I think it's terrible, <laughs> terrible fit. Uh, I, I get why the Lions would do it. You know, they have a lot of money to spend. Uh, he's a downfield threat, and they don't really have one. But um, you know, Jared Goff doesn't Jared throw. Goff. He's not a down. He's not an aggressive downfield thrower. He's not a good downfield thrower, except for maybe one year with Sean McVay mm-hmm. uh, pulling the strings. You may know that Sean McVay no longer coaches Jerry Goff, so uh, <laughs> I I, uh, I quarreled with Detroit Lions fans for a long time on Twitter yesterday, which kind of hurt me. Yeah, it kind of hurt me because I presumably we're both fans of our high testosterone analytics king Dan Campbell, right? And and uh, so I, I don't I don't love arguing with Lions fans, but <laughs> for them to say, well, no, no golf wasn't good downfield just because he didn't have a downfield thread. That's, that's not correct. That, that would be incorrect. Yes. I agree with that. That is very, yeah. You should look up Denny's uh, feed for the, the, the uh, lion slander. That was very funny. Uh, yeah. Any on CJ Uzoma or however you say that. I think he's signed uh, with the Jets, right? I mean, he's already the best Jets tight end of all time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's uh, I'm, I, I think, you know, at, at best, he'll be like a desperation streaming option. I can see myself, t- you know, talking, touting him at some point in 2022, being like, oh, you know, he saw five targets last week we, and you, you can't do better on the waiver wire or something like that. Yeah. But uh, no, I think the, the Jets offense um, has no real there's no real indication that it, it can be good for fantasy. Yeah, it's hard because I really like Michael Carter and I really like Elijah Moore. I, I think if they're their line is going to be better. They signed a, a bunch of guys on the line and, you know, they have Mekhi Becton who will be healthy, but it's just kind of one of those like, can Zach Wilson be decent? That's the biggest question mark. Yeah, that's a big, it's a big question. Honestly, for him and Trevor Lawrence there, I think there's a, a major question. Can they be uh, viable? Like, mm-hmm. like not, not great. We're not looking for great now. Okay. Right. That, I think that's off the table, but, <laughs> but you know, where can they be okay? And, and uh, I think that, year two would obviously be huge for both of them in answering right. that question. Yeah. A- any thoughts on the two biggest like running back signings, those guys splitting up Edmonds and Connor kind of each get their own your yeah. role here. Uh, I, you know, Edmonds um, has eight 
uh, double-digit carry games and 57 career NFL games. So wow. I'm thinking that that's not going to happen too often in Miami. I, and if and if they they do treat him like that, I, I don't know if he's the kind of running back who can hold up, you know, with with that sort of uh, right. workload. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think PPR wise, he could be interesting in a an offense that will presumably be full of checkdowns from uh, from Tua, who you know is is again not a, not an aggressive or not a good downfield thrower, um, doesn't have a big arm. So you know he he, he now gets a coach from the Shanahan tree. Shanahan tree typically likes to have quarterbacks kind of manage the game, little dump offs, little uh, safe passes near the line of scrimmage, intermediate targets. You know that 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 could be Edmonds' game. I could see him. Mm-hmm. I could see him doing fine, but I'm not I'm not super bullish on him. You know, James Conner, on the other hand, uh, I mean, he and he's going to be drafted like an RB one. So right. I don't. You're not going to get a value. Like it's mm-hmm. not. It, you know, it's everybody's in on the secret that he's going to see all the goal line carries and he turns out to be a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, you know, you, I, I think his upside is nice. Uh, I also think, unlike last year, you're not going to get any kind of value on him in, in redraft leagues. Right. No, I agree. I, I do question with whether it's possible Edmonds uh, starts seeing 15 touches a game. You know, it, it's just a question mark, mainly for me, of how the new coaching staff wants to divide it up. But since he's from the 49ers tree, uh, it's probably going to be, you know, pretty split up. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, assuming that Edmonds is going to be like the one a throughout is, is a pr- pretty big assumption. And by the way, I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. No, it's all good. Nothing I can do at the moment. He wants to be a part of it. <laughs> well, I know you did a lot of study already uh, lead, coming out of the 2021 season about positions, um, did some writing about that. Um, just wanted to see your thoughts, you know, as far as draft wise or, you know, just valuation of the various positions uh, coming out of 2021 into the season as we start thinking about drafting for this year. Um, what do you think, um, you know, what, what are the deep positions? What are the positions that you're going to be targeting in various spots of the draft? That kind of thing. Anything you want to share with that? Yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm a, I'm a zero RB uh, radical truther uh, deranged in every way. Uh, and I, I think after the, um, I wrote about, you know, receivers kind of having a lot of, a lot of hard luck in 2021, um, a lot of opportunity to succeed and, 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 uh, just a lot, many of them who, who had high expectations for, for whom we had high, high expectations, mm-hmm. uh, did, didn't come through. So I, I, I could see, uh, you know, fantasy drafters sort of fading the elite wide receivers a bit this year, which would open up, you know, some opportunity to take them um, at a little bit of a depressed ADP. Uh, So that that's obviously appealing to me. This, you know, I think we do have to acknowledge that wide receiver is a, is a, is a very deep position. You know, it it is that you, you can, I mean, look at, you know, Cooper cup drafted after Robert Woods in the fourth or fifth round of 12 team leagues, you know, like it's that, it's that kind of deep, uh, you're not going to get a Cooper cup ever. If you play fantasy for another 50 years, you're never going to find another Cooper cup. <laughs> he does, does what, he, what he did in 2021. So don't, you know, don't, don't mistake that for, for an every year occurrence. It won't be, but um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll probably approach it similarly to how I usually do as far as the depth of positions. You're always, always going to say here. Uh, people say uh, tight end seems deep. Seems mm-hmm. really deep this year. 
And uh, here's the thing about tight end. It's never deep. <laughs> yes, I agree. It's always just a few at the top, right? Do you, does that make you generally, I don't know how many drafts you do personally, but is that, or, or just as your advice for, as an analyst, does it make you say, I always want, or you should always draft a tight end early? Or do you, mm-hmm. you know, just, I know you do, you do streaming podcasts too. So, you know, you yeah. maybe, maybe suggest that. Sure. Uh, um, I think it, a, it depends on the, the savviness of your league mates. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it, it depends on how you want to build, build your team. You know, uh, I think if you want a, a kind of a more highly volatile team, you'll, you'll take uh, a tight end, an elite tight end at their ADPs or right around there. Um, and you know, if, if it depends on the scoring too, is it tight end premium, whatever, mm-hmm. can you play tight ends in the flex this, these are questions you you'll have to know now i will say and this sounds like a cop-out and maybe it is but i I will say that you should probably you know decide you know go in on the elite tight ends or or go all the way out like like don't 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 try to play the middle ground i've done i've done that we've all done that i think Mm -hmm. Uh, at some point is you look at a a tight end and like i don't know the fifth sixth seventh round you well i think that guy can match the guy who was drafted in the second round and again, the thing with the tight ends, that never happens. Right. I mean, Mark Andrews came close. He's the only one in, in the recent history that has jumped up in value like that. But yeah, usually it's like Tyler Higby and Mike Gesicki that never really pan out, right? Exactly. And and, and a lot of times it's very frustrating. You know, you, you have guys like those two guys you said, Gesicki and Higby, who ran all the routes, right? All the route participation, uh, they were all the snap, you know, participation, everything, everything you could want a tight end to do. You, he's on the field, he's running routes in a in good offense, and it doesn't, it still doesn't come to fruition. So, even even those indicators, which you know can be helpful in kind of guiding your way toward a viable starting option, uh, even those indicators fall flat with tight ends very often. Yeah. So, so generally you're saying you like to target uh, wide receivers, um, maybe tight ends early. You like to wait on running backs is, is kind of an overarching strategy. How about quarterback? Where are you at with that uh, as far as strategy goes? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, I guess it would depend, you know, we're, we're talking in March. Uh, right. I, I'm, I'm thinking things will change by August uh, myself, but uh, I, I could see guys like Lamar Jackson going a little later than he should um, mm-hmm. after, you know, because we, we are, uh, as, as, as human beings, you know, very prone uh, to, you know, to remembering the last thing, right? To the, re- the recency bias, right? Like, Lamar killed my team last year. I'm not, I'm not doing it again. Right. Um, but, you know, there are many reasons to, you know, to look further into that and say, well, that, you know, that probably won't happen again. Like, the, the vast likelihood is for him to be more efficient, uh, both as a rusher and as a passer in that Baltimore offense. So, you know, um, I, I definitely would not dismiss taking a quarterback in, you know, the first three, uh, first four or five rounds. Um, especially if you're in a league where, and this is always funny when you're in a, a so-called expert league and, uh, you know, you play a game of uh, quarterback chicken, late round quarterback chicken, and whoever is the first to take the uh, a quarterback looks like a big chump. And so everybody fades quarterback until they become just ridiculous values. So if you're ever in a league like that, just, you know, be aware, be aware of that don't, don't play chicken. Just take, you know, just, just take Lamar Jackson in the sixth and be done with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's good. 
As far as like, uh, I don't know if you do any drafting for, or I'm sorry, ranking for NBC, uh, where you go through and rank the players, the various positions. Uh, but even just for your own drafts, how do you go about ranking those players? Do you do like, you know, player projections or do you go off 2021 stats or like just go by feel? What's kind of your process there? Yeah, I, I usually have a, a median projection and a high projection for, uh, you know, for each player. And, um, you know, kind of depending on the on the kind of team I want to build, the kind of league it is and the settings, format, whatever, uh, I, I, I will I will you know, I will either go with the median or the, or the high, honestly, the way I play fantasy, I usually go with a high projection. Um, I usually swing for the fences and create a team that, you know, is, is either going to finish in the bottom half of the league or win the thing easily. Like right. that's, that's, uh, that's the kind of team I'm looking for. Um, I'm not, I, I, a long time ago, I, I decided I'm not, I don't, I no longer, I don't want to build a team that's going to finish fourth. Right. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. It's either going to be really good or pretty bad, uh, and so that that's how, how I approach uh, drafting. That's cool. Yeah, um, I, I guess uh, you do so much work as an analyst, uh, writing up stuff and and writing articles and doing research and that kind of stuff. Do you find that it's hard? Um, I don't know if you in the past did play in a lot of leagues, but do you find it hard to even continue playing, or is it? That's a good question, uh, and 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 it's a. And it's a it's an issue. I I have not been able to pay as close attention to my redraft leagues as as I have in the past. Like uh, before, I was a, a full time analyst. Uh, and that's okay with me because I actually, you know, I I actually enjoy analyzing the game more than playing it. And I, hmm. I know I know that sounds maybe funny, but um, uh, I did not your thing, right? That that that's that's the draw for me for, yeah. for, for for this game is is analyzing it. Playing it is fine. I'll do it, but it's 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 about it's about analyzing, trying to find the angles, yeah, um, to help you win and to help other people win. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's it's tough. I had to, I had to cut down on leagues this year, and and I still really wasn't able to grind the waiver wire the way that right. you, know, you 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 need you need to be able to do that in most leagues. You know, mm -hmm. in in your home league, office league, you know. You could probably skate by without having to do that, but but in in serious leagues, man, yeah. If you don't dedicate that time, as as painful as it, and, and you know, Kevin, as as someone who's in a hundred leagues, right? I mean, to to have to set aside that time to grind the waiver wire, it takes dedication. Yeah, no, it, it really does. I mean, I've never gone over fifty, but fifty is is like a part time job. I mean, it's, oh, it's 20, <laughs> 20, 20 hours a week at least, and yeah. No, and I, I mean, I honestly think like people generally have a bent, like I really enjoy analyzing or I really enjoy playing. And that's kind of where I'm going to put my, and, you know, for me, I really enjoy both of them, but yeah. I like playing so much that yeah. uh, it would be hard for me if I was a full-time analyst to to give it up. Um, but yeah, it's you really get cool. it. I mean, yeah, you like to analyze, you know, so I do. it's I really do. great for you that you can do that. And then, then playing when you play, is just for fun. I mean, you're not going to be in high stakes leagues probably or yeah. spending a bunch of money, but you're, uh, you're able to really help, you know, others win, like you're saying. So that's really cool. Yeah. I, I, that's just, I guess my personality because um, I like analyzing movies more than I like movies, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's great. And you're a, too. Yeah. You're a thinker. I mean, that's the thing like, <laughs> to be a, a good a good author that's kind of what it takes is think through every angle and yeah. you know the research side and that's really cool so, so some would say i think too much and i and i would have to agree 
Well, and the thing is, like, if, if anyone has is not been following you on Twitter and they hear this, you know, you definitely need to follow Denny. My first, um, my first interaction with you and like exposure to you, uh-huh. I think, was about an article you wrote. It was like sixty-nine ways to something about being an American or some some uh-huh. hilarious patriotic spoof. Yeah, sixty-nine ways that, to own the libs. Yeah, <laughs> to own the libs. Yeah, and I mean, I was reading through that. That's my first exposure to you as an author, and it, I was literally in tears, uh, laughing. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And I, and I reached out to you and said, this is, this is incredible. I have no idea who you are, but I love this. Uh, just funny. Very <laughs> That's funny. really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed writing that. And here's the thing, Kevin, the, the follow-up to that book is on its way. Okay. I, 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 be it's you know, it's yeah. being edited as we speak. <laughs> Do you know the, the, the title yet? Uh, uh, roughly, roughly titled, um, um, owning the libs across America. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're going on tour. We're taking it. The amount of the amount of research that a book like that takes. I mean, I can't even estimate. Well, here's here's what you do. Here's what you do. You spend every waking moment online. You absorb all like the trauma of the world politically and culturally and every other way into your brain and then you have lots of material to work with and 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 while it's probably not great for mental health it makes for a decent uh, uh, satirical book that's yes it really does make a hilarious book and that's the thing like you you are very uh well-rounded in a sense like if you consider uh politics and sports both being well-rounded then you are you know you have both sides and uh, it's funny entertaining to follow you so yeah thanks i it's funny because uh I think there's a sense, um, not so much in the industry itself, but for for fantasy managers, for for players who follow big accounts, whatever. And and uh, th- there's a sense that you, if you know something about something outside of football, you can't really be a, a, a fantasy football expert, so-called expert, right? right? Like true. like how can you be an expert if you also know stuff about other stuff? Right. <laughs> that's You're not me spending every me. minute looking at this stuff. it's always been a tremendous thought process uh to be <laughs> like uh to be like oh you you also read books curious you you could have been you could have been grinding you know wide receiver yeah, exactly. route data exactly i do uh, that too it's very, it's very true yeah because I, I found that whenever i uh, tweet about anything uh political like yeah. i lose like 20 followers <laughs> like okay i guess they don't want that content oh. so Oh, Kevin, look, you, you know all about to, that. You have to prepare. You have to mentally prepare for for that that sort of uh, that backlash. I, I'm, I'm guessing I've lost somewhere in the range of two point seven million followers. That's yeah, like, seriously, you probably have like every tweet you have, you get like 10 followers and lose five. I mean, it's, yeah. it's uh, I, I would have a I would have a Beyonce following if I just shut up about politics. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. Uh, that's great. Yeah, and you're actually working on another book now. I was just, we we're just talking about that. Do you want to tell people about that, or is that court sort of just out of the yeah. box too much? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, thanks. It, it's called Call, Calling Sister Midnight. I wrote it in 2018 and 2019. My dog is still barking. I am, I am going to absolutely flip it <laughs> if he keeps barking. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, um, I, it's called Calling Sister Midnight. It, you can find it on my Twitter bio. Uh, I've released parts of the book. Um, that I think will give you a good feel for what it's about. Um, it's a it's it's very bleak, uh, very very bleak story about uh, basically social media uh, addiction and VR uh, virtual reality addiction leading to 
uh, the end of the world uh, as as hmm. as it does. So um, and and it, and it stretches. The story stretches from pre World War II uh, Germany to um, the 2040s. So you know about about 20 years in the future, uh, and um, you know tracks a bunch of different characters. Um, Anyway, you can find it at uh, callingsistermidnight.online. Yeah, I was reading it yesterday. I was telling you, I, I really liked uh, your writing. It's very entertaining and interesting. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be, do you, do you plan on actually getting it printed or just keeping it online? I mean, you know, that would be the dream, the uh, dream yeah. uh, for, for someone to be like, hey, this is, this is good. Would you like it? Uh, would you like it in hardback? Or um, that would yeah. be cool. But uh, I, I, I will, I will make it available in, in some ways. It's, it's the longest thing I've ever written. Uh, I, I, as far as I can tell, it would, you know, the whole, the whole story and I haven't put, I haven't put the whole story online, but the whole story would be like, like six, 700 pages in an hour. Oh, wow. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. That I'm took hoping some time. That. And that wasn't even during COVID lockdown. You actually made time for that. I did. Yeah. I did. And that, 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 let me tell you, uh, writing a book, it takes a lot of discipline. I, yeah. I mean, holy! I like cow. to write, and I've 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 been like, I want to try to write a book, and I'll I'll write like a page, and like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm good. It's <laughs> it just, is. Kevin, it's so hard. Like like it's like uh, you have to really like um adopt a mindset of like yeah like some some days I'm gonna write 700 words, which mm -hmm. is not a lot, but it's something. It's something. Right. You know, you're rolling that boulder uphill. Right? right. And, and so, and sometimes you'll get on a roll and you write 3000 words and it'll feel great. And then sometimes right. you really struggle and you'll only write five, six, 700 and you, and, but you can't feel bad about yourself because right. if you feel bad about it, then you're not going to get back to it. You know, right. and then you're going to say, Oh, I'm struggling. I, I can't. Yeah. And one more, and if, if I could offer one more piece of advice for anyone considering such a, a horrible undertaking, <laughs> um, uh, is, is, uh, to not be uh, so picky and so uh, so precious about when to write, okay? You're never going to be, and, and I, I had to overcome this myself. You're never yep, going to be in, in an ideal uh, situation. You're never going to be like in a cabin in the woods right. by yourself with a typewriter and a nice little warm cup of coffee. <laughs> it's not happening. You know, that you never, especially if you're married, if you have kids, whatever, full-time job that's not happening you have to write at the weirdest times right, right. You have to wake up early you have to stay up late um i mean you don't have to but it's, it's the way to do it right yeah if you have an hour during the day where you're not doing anything you you go right and and that's and that's really hard it's really difficult but uh the perfect opportunity to write is never going to come up so you got to make it yeah no it's good good advice for the aspiring writers out there and i you know i was gonna say that's what i said you have kids i mean i can't imagine uh being able to write 600 pages with with little kids around so good for you man that's amazing yeah well that it that is that is tough i i wrote my fantasy football books before um before kids uh i i now i'm blanking on their names oh how to think like a fantasy football winner and how to think like a dfs winner um i wrote those before kids and let me tell you that was way easier yeah I'm sure it was. You've been at NBC for like a year now. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, about, about a year. Yep. Yeah. So congratulations on that. I, I was going to say, um, you know, for us who uh, want to work in the industry one day, you you are an inspiration. So 
Um, I'm happy for you. I think you're deserving of that role. And just wanted to ask you so far, a uh, year in, what's been the, the best part or hardest part about uh, working full-time in fantasy football? Uh, worst part is, is working with Pat Doherty. I think uh, <laughs> is, uh, no, I'm kidding. Pat and I are like two peas in a pod. We, we went to the Super Bowl together. Um, oh, awesome. And, uh, and, and did some podcasting there in a, in a, in a studio setup in the convention hall in LA. It was, uh, did you have to like buy space or how does that work? Well, I, I, I suppose NBC did buy okay. space. Yeah, <laughs> you space for you. I, I, I was, I was told to get on a plane and go to Los Angeles. So that's what I did. Uh, and, um, and when I got there, they had everything set up. It was awesome. very, very cool. Very professional is, I mean, a real, a real high, like a real career highlight situation. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would love to do it again at some point, but, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been cool to, you know, wake up, uh, on work days and say, well, I, I, I have, I have to write about tight ends today. Uh, I have to prepare for a podcast on DFS slates, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to write about kickers this morning. You know, that, that's, um, that it's it's not it's not bad. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. So overall, it's been really good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, That's it's awesome. it's it's great. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it is a lot of work. I I I do I do think uh, you you can in this situation you can sort of get lazy a little bit, um, you know, because because you've made it to a certain level. But I I keep trying to uh, challenge myself, and uh, I always offer this advice to, to, to younger up and coming, uh, fantasy writers is, um, to answer the questions that you have on your mind. Um, so like, for, just for instance, like, um, how, how does Mitch Trubisky signing in Pittsburgh affect, uh, Deontay Johnson and, or Chase Claypool? It's a great question. And that, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how it affects them. If you can, put in a really good faith effort to figure out how that the Trubisky under center could affect them and write about it um, and, and, and present an argument for either, you know, good, bad, or, or somewhere in between people will recognize that. And people, let me tell you something. If you have the question, other people are going to have the question. I keep, I try to keep that in, in mind, uh, you know, every day as a, as an analyst. Yeah, that's great. What would you say, either personally, uh, professionally, it can be about, you know, your, your, uh, any, any aspect of your life. What's something that you've learned, uh, this past year? Oh man. Um, you know, I, I think one thing you learn as a full-time fantasy analyst is how to, how to sort of manage, you know, manage your time and not get, not get burned out. Um, because it, you know, covering, you know, 32 teams, uh, every player transaction, every, every happening, every injury, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the potential for burnout is very high. Um, and, and there's a very good chance that at some point you're going to say like, I'm, I, my brain can't handle anymore. So being able to, to tap out sometimes, um, will keep you fresh enough to, to keep going and to, to keep producing good work, you know, because mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, everybody can produce work, but is it good? You know, right. it, you know, and that, that, that burnout can really harm, it can really harm the, the, the quality of, of your work, really bring that down. Um, so like, you know, for example, uh, sometimes I 
you know, and I know this may be sacrilegious, but I wouldn't watch Monday night football. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I just, I couldn't after Sunday after, you know, cause at NBC sports edge, we cover, typically we cover two games, one at one o'clock. And then at four o'clock, mm -hmm. we write up blurbs for every single player in every game. Then on Sunday nights, we podcast, uh, and, until pretty late. So you're just toast. You know, you wake up Monday and uh, some Mondays I, I was still raring to go, you know, yeah. and but other Mondays I wake up and I'd say, oh, dear Lord, I, I need a break. You know, yeah. like I need to chill out. I need to read a book. I need to listen to music. I need mm -hmm. to do something non-football. Here we go again with the non-football. If I was a football expert, I would only do football. I'm kidding. Right. But, uh, you know, the, and, and so learning how to manage that has been key. Yeah. And I'd say that applies to people in every uh, area and every type of job. Like, right. If you you're in something and you're giving it your best, you're going to, there's a yeah, tendency yeah. for burnout. So you have to find a way to recover. That's a good general learning. Um, and certainly if you're, you know, you're doing side side work and writing books and all that kind of stuff. I mean, your, your brain has to stay, you know, fresh to some degree to be effective at any of that. So that's right. That's right. good advice. Uh, something I've asked every expert, kind of the last question, then we'll kind of do a, a closing exercise here is just uh, we have a lot of I would say the majority of, of the listeners to this podcast are, are people that uh, are already playing um, usually quite a few leagues and they're interested in continuing to improve or uh, move up. And so if, if our listeners, you know, want to improve, I know that you're not, you know, playing in, in buttloads of leagues or anything, but uh, you have a lot to share as far as how they can improve because uh, you're studying this every day. What would you say is one thing that could, you know, help them improve their game or set them apart from the crowd as a player? Uh, not drafting scared is is, is one thing. Um, and I, I, I know that that comes with questions. What, what does that mean? You know, like, what does it mean to draft scared? Um, but I think I think a lot of people do that. And, and that's human nature to to not so much reach for what you think will work or go with what you think will work like objectively, but. Go with what won't hurt as much, you yeah. know, like, um, you know, to to not reach, not, not reach a little bit for the player who you love. Right. Mm -hmm. To say, oh, I, I'm not there yet. Like we're not I, you know, I, I would be reaching a, like a half around here. I'm going to take this guy and hope my guy mm -hmm. is available next time. And guess what? He's almost never, never available at that time. So because mm -hmm. um, if you if you love that player, probably everybody else does um, or mo or some people do at least. And so I, I think, you know, trying not to draft like a like fear based drafting is, is mm -hmm. something that I, I see a lot. And back when I used to run draft day consultants, it was it was something I, I saw all the time is people being like, I, I can't I can't go with this guy. I want to go with with the, the safe guy, you know, the the safe guy. And and but the, in this parlance and this idea, it, it, it comes from the industry, from the fantasy industry itself, uh, where uh, for years uh, we as an industry have dubbed players safe when they are actually not safe, when mm. they're actually the opposite of safe. We used to say that about uh, about Andrew Luck. Uh, about uh, you know elite quarterbacks going in the first and second round. I remember uh, it, it, you take the safe guy and you wait till later to do this and that and that. You know, and and that it wasn't that wasn't safe. In fact, right. it was a huge risk. Huge. Risk. It just meant lower upside, right? Right, right. So so you know, uh, evaluating what that means and 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 avoiding avoiding that sort of fear based approach is is important. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. I think regardless of what what level you're playing at, um, drafting confidently is is, is super important. And um, obviously, you're going to do that better if you're really studied up and you know what you're doing. But yeah, even if you're kind of a newbie, um, drafting confidently is way better than taking a guy like you're saying because you think you're supposed to. Right. So yes, really exactly. Good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Um, yeah, have conviction. You know. I mean, if if you're a casual player, or whatever, it, probably if you're listening to this, you're not a casual player. You're 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 you know a fantasy head, um, which is fine. I am too, but and Kevin obviously is as well. But uh, have some conviction. Like you've done, you've done the research. Like you've done a lot of studying. You've done a lot of reading and thinking about things, listening, watching. You, you know, your brain is full of really good information. Uh, so be confident. It, it, draft your team as if, as if it's the right way, you know, uh, and I know that sounds funny and it applies to DFS as well. Like build a lineup, uh, as if, as if it's correct, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't hedge, <laughs> I guess the hedging comes when the fear creeps in. Right. Yeah. I've talked with a few experts about, um, just like, you know, the, uh, group think kind of idea where, you know, you're on Twitter and you, you maybe have oh, yeah. your rankings and you have them, you know, Hey, these, this is a guy, these are the guys I like, these are the guys I'm targeting. And then you hear people talking about another player, you know, like, like we were talking with one person about Cooper cup and Robert Woods, right? Like I, I was one person who had a, I much preferred Cooper cup from the beginning of the season. And I early, early drafts drafted him over woods. And I remember a lot of people, like I'd post my draft boards and a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, cup over woods. That's, that's a weird take, That's you know, hilarious. and I'd be like, you know, I, well, I just like cup. And over time though, by the end of the season, I was drafting woods over cup. And a lot of times that stuff will just creep in and you're like, you know, mm-hmm. well, maybe I'm wrong. And yeah, maybe I need to hedge this. And um, yeah, I think, I think that's a, it's really good advice just to go with your gut, you know, stick. Uh, I've, I've done that too. Look, I've, I've done, I mean, you, you know, the, the gut approach always sounds like the opposite of, of the, the head, approach right of of like using your brain and using your knowledge but honestly a well-informed gut right is, is, what, is what you're going for it's based on study first yeah, you, it's not just total gut but yeah go with what you really believe after you've done your study yeah that's good so um l- let's close out with an exercise here just uh looking at, uh, we, we both looked at some wide receiver twos from last season i kind of extended my my search uh pat you know up to maybe like the, the top 30 receivers both in um, points per game and you know how they finished overall points and just kind of looked at who of these players I don't know you know if your list was just limited to 1224 but whatever who of this list do I think has potential to jump up to being a top 12 uh, you know wide receiver one this year so we maybe just trade off or you can throw a few people out however you want to do it who's one person that you think of yeah, um, Terry McLaurin and I I, I know that that might sound funny because Carson Wentz uh, has has not been great, but McLaurin really is like an alpha receiver. Um, you know, nothing really broke right for for him in 2021. Um, Taylor Heineke was absolutely horrific downfield. He completed 32 percent of his passes of more than uh, 20 yards, uh, the sixth worst sixth worst mark in the league. Wow. No quarterback had more interceptions on downfield attempts in 2021 than Heineke. Um, and uh, only three receivers in the league dominated air yards on their team like McLaurin did yeah. in, in, in Washington. And I think that that will he will continue to dominate those opportunities. Um, you know, Wentz, for all his shortcomings, and he has many, he is actually like a halfway OK downfield mm-hmm. thrower. 
and yeah. way way better than Heineke. So I think that's that's huge for McLaurin. I could I could see him easily being a top ten receiver. Yeah, that's really interesting. That um, I do I do ha- I have been feeling like um, Wince just really negatively about him. Like this guy is terrible. And it's interesting to think back. Like he was the number two overall pick, and when he was early in his career in Philly, he was seen as a potential MVP of the league. He almost won in that year that he uh, got injured. So the talent's there. I mean, I think he's regressed, but I, I think that he's got a lot of potential. And you're right. I think he almost certainly will be better than Heineke was last year. I actually looked at McLaurin and I thought about it and I thought, mm, Wince, that was my thought. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously you, you'd want Russell Wilson or something, you know, some sort of massive upgrade. But Heineke was low-key horrible in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to look past that, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 McLaurin suffered because of it. I I watched. I look. I'm not film dude or anything, but I did watch a lot of Washington games. And um, the 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 staple of a Washington game is Terry McLaurin being open downfield and having to make uh, either a miraculous catch, body adjustment type catch, or just being underthrown or overthrown um, yeah. by a severe margin. So that. I, I think that changes in, in uh, 2022. That's a good call. Yeah. I'm, one guy on my list was Jalen Waddle. Um, I just, I think he's showed everything you can show as a rookie last season with kind of meh quarterback play. Um, I think he's got, uh, he's a ridiculous route runner and he's got the speed. He, we didn't even see him work downfield very often last season. He was almost like, he was one of the lower a dot receivers in the league. Um, I don't know if that's because Tua isn't, uh, I don't know. We saw him throw downfield in college, so I think he's got the talent to do it. I don't know. Maybe it was just a coaching decision, but I do think we're going to see him kind of uh, pop even more this season. What are your thoughts on that one? I mean, the way Mike McDaniel's talks about uh, Jalen Waddle, uh, it, it'll be impossible not to draft him. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, PPR wise, he he could be an absolute monster in that Dolphins offense. Um, and yeah, he was on my list as well. I, I think I think, you know, until until we get further information, I think, you know, top five, top six is in his range of outcomes uh, for for 2022. Yeah, that would be amazing. Who's another one on your list? T Higgins. And hmm. it might be weird because I know he it's not like he was bad, uh, but he was inconsistent in, in 2021. Um, Higgins, you know, for a while there in the middle of the season, I don't know if you remember it. You know, he was uh, more reliable and, and uh, more dominant. He seemed to be taking the wide receiver one role away from Jamar Chase yeah. uh, for, for a bit. Didn't didn't end up that way. And, and I don't expect that to flip uh, next year. But T. Higgins had 35 percent of the Bengals air yards last year. Um, that was uh, just a little bit less than Jamar Chase's 38 percent. Hmm. Um, he had a, um, a whopper, which is uh, weighted. Uh, Shoot, I forgot the weighted yeah. average of a player's mar- uh, target market share. Over, yeah, yeah. Um, and you, yeah, you can find a further explanation of that at, at Rotoviz if you're interested. But T. Higgins had a whopper of 0.6 compared to Chase's whopper of 0.63. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this. Uh, you know, Cincinnati really changed the way they operated their offense later in the season. Uh, Bengals had the seventh highest neutral pass rate uh, on early downs in the final six weeks of the season that's compared to uh they ranked 18th in that category in the first half of the 2021 season so i i think that was to partially protect joe burrow and as he recovered and got comfortable with his knee 
Um, and then they really let him off the, the, the chain in the, in the final month and a half of the season. If they continue that sort of approach next season, I think it's huge for T Higgins. I think both, obviously both Chase and Higgins could be wide receiver ones. Yeah, that's my big question. I, I definitely believe in the talent of Chase and Higgins. Uh, maybe not equally. I think Chase is a little more talented, but they're both excellent receivers. My, my big question is, will the Bengals throw, let's say, 60% of the time on offense? I mean, they they have shown of the last few years that they they kind of would like to be a power running team too. So it's like, which one ends up working out? Um, you know, I would love to see their defense kind of stink, so they have to throw it. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah I, I would too. I, I mean, it seems like, you know, with, with Chase and Higgins and Burrow, you, you just go ahead and you throw it. You would think, yeah. I mean, Mixon is good too, but well, and the thing is they did just uh, get two, two, you know, new linemen, uh, offensive linemen and free agency. Yeah. And they may draft another one. So we'll see. I mean, I think even if their offensive line is ridiculously good, if I'm the coach, I still want to chuck it because I've got those guys. But Well, a good offensive line could be great for Burrow. You right. Know? I mean, it, play it, action it, game. Yeah, it could, it could provide. Yeah, right. It could open up play action. It, it could provide uh, more time for Higgins and and Chase to get downfield. I mean, think about the the last play of the Super Bowl where Chase dusted uh, Jalen Ramsey on the sideline. If Burrow had had one right. more second in the in the pocket, then the Bengals are Super Bowl champs. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It, um, I'll let you go again. I don't want to take your guy. Anybody else you had on the list? Yeah, sure. Uh, I had, uh, sorry, uh, Metcalf, DK Metcalf. Okay. Um, you know, he was like, he fell out of fantasy relevance at some point this past year, which is pretty unbelievable for a guy of his profile. Um, but, you know, his 28% uh, target per route run rate was five points higher than Tyler Lockett's. And, uh, and it was a, a, a huge jump from his 17% target per route run rate in 2020. Mm-hmm. So he he commanded a, a much higher uh, share of targets per route than he did in, in his breakout 2020 season. Um, I think, A, uh, the Seahawks running the fewest plays per game. Right. And B, Russell Wilson's finger injury that really, well, first of all, it took him out off the field for a month. And then when he returned, he was a disaster for three right. weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that really sunk Metcalf's uh, prospects and I'm not breaking news here, but uh, yeah. It, it, also it, they just, they just insist on running the ball so much too. It's yeah. And, and, and you know what, that, that, that could happen, but talking about, you know, Metcalf's whopper um, it actually went up from 2020 to 2021. Like it, he was better in that category. So all the peripheral stuff points to Metcalf being perfectly fine for next year. Right. Yeah, one other guy. Uh, well, I have a few guys on my list, but one of the guy I did want to mention is C.D. Lamb. Um, it's kind of a no-brainer with, you know, him, him probably being the clear number one on the team. They did re-sign Gallup, but Cooper's gone, uh, and they may draft somebody. But um, Lamb is uh, just going to be the alpha there. I don't know that they're going to be as successful in offense as people uh, think they should be. I don't know if Dak will ever become like an MVP candidate. Um, to the degree that people thought. But C.D. Lamb certainly has shown his talent. Uh, he's been inconsistent. He's dropped a lot of passes. Um, but I think just purely on volume uh, and, and his talent, I think that he is is likely to jump up into the top 12. Any thoughts on that one? We had the pleasure of talking with C.D. Lamb at the Super Bowl. He, hey. he, came, he came on a good football show, and 
and we asked him about the Dallas offense, and he made no bones about it. He said, we need to be more aggressive. I want to be more aggressive uh, next season, and uh, I hope that I hope that somebody listens to him. It, w- it would be nice if, yeah. if uh, the, the Dallas coaching staff listened to their best player uh, and said, okay, let's do it, because that would be tremendous for his you know fantasy value. Yeah. Yeah, just a few other guys I had. I, uh, any of these guys you have, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore. I, I didn't have them. Uh, my my last guy. Uh, well, actually, I just had I had Waddle and uh, uh, so so that was, that was those are my four. Uh, Devonte Smith, uh, fine fine solid player, really good player. Uh, the type of offense that they'll likely yeah. run in Philadelphia is not is not going mm-hmm. to generate enough opportunity for him to be wide receiver one, and you know that's okay because you can probably draft him as a low end wide receiver too. Yeah, and I was thinking DJ Moore, maybe if they get Deshaun Watson, he, he could jump up in there and uh, certainly has the talent. Um, yeah, Elijah Moore and Darnell Mooney, all those guys are probably, ba- you know, don't have a good enough offense, like you're saying with Devonta Smith. Yeah, I mean, uh, Moore was on his way yeah. last year. I'm, I'm sure you remember uh, it was it was like, oh, it's happening, you know, mm-hmm. for the first month of the season. It was like, finally, the DJ Moore breakout is here. We can all sit back and just relax and enjoy it as it happens. And then as soon as we sat back and relaxed, it all went to hell. So, uh, um, I, yeah, he he's an unbelievably efficient player. Um, he can dominate intermediate routes. He can dominate downfield routes. You know, Sam with, Arnold, that was the problem. Yes, with, with, with some sort of quarterback there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, look out. Look out for DJ Moore as a, a high-end wide receiver one, honestly. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for taking yeah. the time to go through those and for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's great to see you and interact face to face. I hope to. I know you're down not too far from me. I hope to come and have a beer sometime. And sure. before we sign off, uh, when, what was your uh, Twitter handle so people can find you? Uh, at CD Carter 13 on, on Twitter. Um, you know, feel free to follow and then unfollow quickly uh, <laughs> but yeah no and and uh, I, I'm, i'll be writing off season stuff for nbcsportsedge.com i do a good football show like i mentioned which you can find anywhere podcasts are, are found um and yeah kevin thanks so much for having me on it was it was a pleasure speaking with you yeah and good football show is a really good football show i do listen to that one you guys should check that out if you haven't yet thanks so much for listening a few quick requests please subscribe to the pod please rate and review the pod share it with your friends or if you're a fan if you if you're not a fan just keep it to yourself please support the pod over at anchor so I can keep it ad free as long as possible thank you again Denny make sure make sure you're following him I appreciate everyone listening have a great day we'll see you next time